Well, I had to have Brother Reed adjust this uh, podium down a little bit. I'm not quite as tall as him. Uh, <laughs> and I got up here to, to do the opening prayer, and I had to have my arms up like this. So thankfully, he was able to bring that down. But um, I'm very glad that you guys are here. Uh, my family has been going through the book of Luke uh, leading up to Christmas. We started uh, December 1st, and that way you read one chapter of Luke. You get one chapter every single day, and you're, you're reading about uh, who Jesus is, why he came, uh, the things he did while he was on earth, and then wrapping up at the tail end of the book, the, the total reason why he came was to die on the cross for our sins, but he didn't stay dead, he rose again. And it's that, that resurrection that really gives us hope of salvation in Christ. And, uh, and the fact that throughout the book of Luke, many times Jesus, uh, he doesn't mince his words. He's, he's oftentimes very pointed in the, things he, in the things he says and the way he says them when it came to uh, people forbidding children to come see Jesus or, or that they would, they would uh, get, stand between him and, and those children. He would say it was better that a millstone were tied about their neck and them to be cast into the sea. Uh, God loves children. God loves each and every single one of us, and he wants to know us and to grow a relationship with us. Um, in, in, in Luke chapter 18, uh, this was the chapter that we would have read yesterday. Uh, Jesus said in verse 16, he said, but Jesus called unto them and said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not for such is the kingdom of God. It is so important that these kids are in church, that they're learning about God, uh, that they're developing a relationship with him now because uh, the world, as you get older, becomes less, what's the word for it? Things get more complicated. Things Things aren't what they seem. When you get older, it's like, oh, I didn't realize things were like that. I didn't realize people were so, uh, they get mad over small things. And when you're a kid, it's life is easy and good. But, uh, you know, we talk about politics. We talk about hardships. We talk about struggles. And, and really, nothing's changed over the years of history. Nothing's changed in so much that, uh, I mean, uh, politically, we've gone from, a country that's been divided over so many things from the, from the time we were uh, founded. Uh, we've had, there's been recorded incidents of, of senators and House representatives that have literally gotten to fistfights on the floor of Congress. Um, we, we can go back further in history where uh, politically people would kill their rivals to, to uh, usurp their authority. But all that is nothing when we realize what Christ has done for us. It's the same story year after year, politically, socially, just different topics. But God never changes. And so what I'd like to do is we're going to, this is actually something that I'm going to be reading with my family later today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 19. And so um, not typically something we talk about at Christmas, but uh, one that stuck out to me is I've, I've been reading. And so if you would turn to Luke chapter 19 with me, we're going to be starting in verse 1. Luke 19 and verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree, to see him, for he was to pass that way. I want to talk about five truths we can learn 
from this small passage about Zacchaeus, a story that we learn many, many times. If you've grown up in church, if you've come to church since you were a kid, you've sung the children's song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And uh, I hope we can take five truths from the life of Zacchaeus, this little passage about Zacchaeus that can help us know who God is, who Jesus is, and why he really came uh, to this earth. So if you would, let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and ask God to bless this time. And uh, this isn't going to take long, but I hope that you open your hearts up uh, so that God can speak to you in this time. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the privilege, the opportunity to speak from your word, Lord. I thank you so much for the people that are here to see their kids uh, speak on the truths that are in your word, how you sent your son uh, to be born for us, Lord. And I pray that you'd help us to, to realize that no matter what we do in this life, we're undeserving of that gift. No matter who we are or what we've done, uh, you sent your son for us. And I pray that you'd help us to see that. I pray that you'd help us to love you, to love one another, and that we would, that we would strive our best to serve you with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. As we read on in verse 5, and when Jesus was come to the place, he looked up and he saw him and he said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he, was, and he made haste and he came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, the people around, when the crowds, when the multitudes saw that Jesus was going to meet up with Zacchaeus, and when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I, take, if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore it him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come into this house, for as much as he is also, or as he also is the son of Abraham, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Five simple truths I want to point out from the life of Zacchaeus, okay? Five simple. There's, first of all, a search. Every person in life is searching for a meaning, for purpose, for a, a reason to be. We struggle. Uh, we, have, we have record cases of depression, people that, that can't find uh, purpose or meaning in life. They feel like it's all useless. They feel like they have uh, no reason to be here, and that's simply not true. But in many cases, people in their search to know why or who or what their uh, meaning is to be, they'll turn to many things. They'll turn to drugs. They'll turn to alcohol. They'll, they'll oftentimes immerse themselves in religion or they'll immerse themselves into a job. They'll immerse themselves into something that brings a sense of satisfaction into them. People will line up to meet uh, members of royalty. They'll line up to meet uh, the president, they'll line up to at a, at a store on uh, Thanksgiving Day or the day after to buy a video game set. They'll, they'll line up to, to fulfill the pleasures of this life. But right here we see that people were lining up to meet Jesus. And this doesn't happen so much anymore. Jesus isn't here with us currently. He doesn't walk the streets. And if he did, I, I venture to say there would be people lining up in the streets to meet him but they don't line up in the church door to meet Jesus all the time. 
But there's a search. It's constantly going on. There's a search to know uh, God. There's a search to understand who He is. And, and there's, there's hundreds of religions in the world. And people will go through each one. People will try to figure out which one's correct, which one's real. But there's a search. And these people were coming. They were, they were searching to see Jesus. They were, they were standing to see Him. They wanted to know who He was. They wanted to know if He was real. If the things and the stories that they had heard of were true, they wanted to know more about Jesus. Zacchaeus was the same. He had heard the stories. He had heard of the miracles. He had heard of all the great things Jesus had done. He had probably heard stories from shepherds maybe years ago about seeing a baby in a manger. He had maybe heard stories about wise men who had come from the east. He had definitely heard the stories of Herod's rage when he found uh, caught wind that there was a, a child that had been born that might usurp his authority of king of the Jews. And so he sent and had all the children to an under killed. He had heard stories. And he wanted to know. Many want to know him because they don't understand. Many want to know him because they don't believe and they want to mock and scorn Jesus. But many uh, look to justify themselves. They want to see, uh, they see somebody and they say, oh, I'm, I don't see what's so special about that person. I'm just as good as that person. But Zacchaeus, he wanted to know Jesus for a different reason. He wanted to know what Jesus was all about. And really, we, we spend our whole lives searching. We look and we look and we look. But when it came down to it, it's not us that does the looking. We know that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit draws every man. That he draws us. When we look at verse 5, Jesus came and he knew exactly where to look. Zacchaeus didn't grab something out of the tree and like throw it at Jesus. Like, hey, I'm up here. Look at me. Didn't do that. But Jesus came to the spot and he looked right up in that tree and he knew him by name. Zacchaeus, they'd never met before. Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must bide at thy house. You see, we spend our whole lives searching, but the truth is God is looking to know us. God is looking to, to uh, connect with us. He wants us to know him in a way that we could never fully understand. He wants us to be our savior. He wants to save us from our sins. And he knew exactly where Zacchaeus would be. He knew that on that road, he would look up in that tree and he would see Zacchaeus and that he wanted to know him. So as, as oftentimes, number one, we search. There's the search, but there's the searcher. There's the one who comes to find us, and that's Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. We can look and look and look, but the point is, is he finds us. When the time has come, when, when God uh, is ready, when we're ready, uh, God will send people, God will move heaven and earth so that we can be saved. And he's done it time and time again. I could go over missionary stories. Uh, I, some of my favorite on how God has worked supernaturally to save people. People who honestly cry out and say, God, if you're out there, send somebody to tell me. I could go over many, many stories, but for sake of time, I won't. But, but God, God knows our hearts. And he knows when we're open. He knows when we're ready to receive. He knows when we're looking. But the point is, is we have to be open. We have to be willing. And then there's the struggle. 
the struggle as we look at as we look at the next the verse verse 6 and he made haste and he came down to receive him joyfully there's two reactions to when Jesus is calling out to us when when we realize that we're sinners and when we realize we've done wrong and that God wants to save us from our sins there's two reactions there really is when God desires to know us in in, in any way or to see us grow there's two reactions Zacchaeus made haste and he did exactly what God commanded him to do. He did exactly as Jesus commanded. He made haste, got down, and he ran home. And he's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make things ready for Jesus. I'm going to clean house. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure everything's ready to go. And that's one reaction. To do uh, what God would desire us to do, to have an open heart, to receive that message gladly. But then there's the second reaction. We see all the people around, maybe not all of them, but when they saw it. So there's a select group. When they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. Oftentimes, as Christians especially, uh, we tend to look down on other people and say, I'm, I'm just as good as that person. Why is God blessing that person? Or why would God use that person over me because I read my Bible every I do this, I do this, I do this. God, don't you know that you can't use that person because he's a dirty, rotten sinner? Honestly, I could say I'm not worthy to stand up here. There's nothing that makes me great. There's nothing that makes me, uh, gives me the ability to stand up here and, and, and preach. But God had other plans. God recognized one day, I could point you back to it, July 23rd, 2003, uh, God looked down from heaven. He saw a sinner named Shane Goodman. I was at teen camp, and the preacher was preaching. The power of God was working. And I realized I'm not worthy of God's love. I'm not worthy of the, the precious gift that came on, on what we call Christmas morning, that Jesus Christ was born of lowly birth. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that, that Christ would come for me. No. If we were to play every action of my life in sequential order on a big screen, many, many times I would hang my head in shame and say, I did that. I'm not worthy. Yeah, I'm guilty there. I shouldn't have done that. And I could point out to just about anybody in here, if we did the same thing, we'd all be a little bit ashamed of our lives. But it's not about us. The struggle is, we have a choice. God says, I want to know you. Just like Zacchaeus, God is oftentimes, many, many times, even in a day, he'll knock at the heart saying, I want to know you. He'll call you out by name. Just like Zacchaeus, walking down the road, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus. And it's not just when we're reading our Bibles, it's not just when we're praying. Sometimes I, uh, uh, one of my coworkers this past week, when the roads were icy, driving to work, lost control of his car. <laughs> Heading toward the guardrail, uh, he would tell you, I, I don't really believe in God. Or, and, but when his life was in peril, he said, God, help me. Had an opportunity to talk to him, but, but at the same time, 
no matter where we are in life, it's not just in church. It's not just when we read our Bibles. It's not when we, when we try to pray or get to know God. God is constantly trying to work in your heart and life. The Bible says in Romans that the majesty of his creation declares his glory. We got a beautiful mountain out there, Mount Rainier. One of the sayings in Washington is the mountain out today. Is the mountain out today. It's, it's, and if it's clear in, in the wintertime, you know it's going to be cold, but the mountain's out and it looks beautiful with all the snow on it. And to think, you look at that mountain and it's, it's like almost on a clear day with the sun coming down, it looks like a painting. Everybody, anybody ever looked at the sky and thought, wow, that just looks amazing? You look at that and you're like, a master painter just came down, and really a, a master painter did. God came down and he crafted that mountain with such care. He put so much thought into everything that goes on in our lives. Everything that goes in your life and my life and our lives intertwine and the actions that I do affect others, but God has a hand in all that and he wants to know us more intimately and personally every single day. Paul would write uh, that he goes through all these struggles that he may know God and the power of his resurrection, that he could grow closer to God no matter what happened in his life. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to grow closer to him. And so there's the struggle. There's the struggle to do what God wants us to do. There's the struggle to, to be a, a, a good, uh, not just a servant, but a good joint heir with Christ. To, to do the work that God called Jesus to do just as much as he's called us to do. Jesus would say, I must do the work of my Father while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. We have to do the work of God because there's coming a time when we can't. God wants to use us. We can, we can accept that challenge anytime God knocks at our, our heart's door and says, hey, I've got a challenge for you. I've got a way for you to grow. I've got something I want you to do. I, sometimes it's as simple as being uh, in that, that holiday spirit, doing something helpful, doing something nice for others. I love Christmas time. It brings out the best in people. Um, I, I, lo- I love seeing people that that just walk down the street in stores, people I've never met, and they've got a smile on, Merry Christmas, I'm so happy. I like that. And then, and then you know, you got the Grinch that's out there, and he's all grouchy. I got to get 9,000 gifts because I waited to the last minute to buy my Christmas presents. Um, any man in here can relate to that? Anybody? Save it. What? Less than a week to Christmas, Asher. You got to buy your gifts. He's back there. He waved his arms like this. Um, but we can, we can react with joy. We can be excited. Or we can be like the other people and say, well, oh, that ain't really for me. Doesn't God know who he's, I mean, we look at somebody else's life and say, doesn't God know who that person is? That, that person's a sinner. I am way much better. So much better. God should use me. We can do that. We can lift ourselves up. We can, we can ride in our pride and vanity. But really when we look at it, we can go to the account of motes and beams. We can point out somebody else and say, you know, hey, you got something stuck in your eye, the moat. And then Christ says, hey, turn around, look, and you got a beam sticking out of your eye. Is everybody familiar with that passage? We can judge others, but really, oftentimes, when we point out criticism in other people, we're pointing out what we see in ourselves. They're just doing it better than us. So there's the struggle. And we have, to, we have to choose. God gives us that choice. He gives us the freedom to choose these things, to search, to know Him, to strive, 
to do our best. Next point is the stubble. The stubble. So there's a struggle, and there's stubble. Everything we do in life. And the Bible says that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We'll stand before God. We'll give an account whether we're saved, whether we know Christ is our Savior, uh, whether or not uh, everything we've done. We'll give an account. We'll see our works. And they'll be revealed by fire. They'll be tried. We'll know whether we've done good things. Everybody will know. And when, when Jesus comes into Zacchaeus' house, he does what I think anybody would do. Like, I want to show you all the good things I did, Lord. It's, it's like a dog. I feel, like, I see this, and I think of Zacchaeus being like a, a little puppy when, when the masters come home. You know, there's, there's a huge difference. Anybody, any cat people in here? Cat people? Cats are fun. I, I love getting a laser pointer with a cat. And you can do it with dogs, too. But you take that laser pointer and watch a cat go nuts. I love that. Um, but cat, cats are very temperamental. You know, you, you come home and the cat's like, you, you walk over to your chair that you want to sit down in, and the cat looks at you and he's like, I was here first. <laughs> like, it's my spot. Dogs aren't that way. A dog, when you come home, the dog's jumping up and down. I'm like, oh, you're home. I'm so excited. You're home. You're home. And then he turns around. He's like, come see what I tore up. <laughs> and lead you into the kitchen. Look at the mess I made. I love you so much. Zacchaeus, it kind of reminds me of this. He's, he looks at him, and Zacchaeus and stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and I have taken anything from any man of false accusation. I restore it for the fuller. He's saying, Lord, I do this good thing. I'm so good, and I do this good thing, and I'm so good, and I do this good thing, and I'm, I'm so, Lord, aren't you so proud of me? And he's excited about it. And if you do good things, you really should be excited about it. I'd be like, yeah, good job, Zacchaeus. Now, we know some of those things probably aren't true. If you look at the history of the time, uh, Zacchaeus living in the political climate he was in, uh, many people didn't get rich in the land of Israel unless they were cozying up to the Roman government, whether they were, they were being shady in, their, in the tax collecting. or uh, there, there was a lot of things. It, it, it took uh, playing some dirty tricks to get rich in the land of Israel at that time. There was very few people that may have gotten a lot of money from honest gains. But he's trying to point out all the good things he does. He's trying to make himself shine like a new penny to Christ. But really, when it's all said and done, the Bible says our righteousness, our good deeds, it's all as filthy rags. There's nothing we could do to inherit the gift of God. Not by works of righteousness, which I have done but according to his mercy. We could do all the good things in the world. We could, we could say the right things. We could be that, that perfect person. But really the answer, so there's that stubble. Everything we do, really, in light of what God has done, in light of who God is, it'll just burn up. It's stubble, it's meaning, it's pointless in the sense of the grand scheme of things. I can't earn my way into heaven doesn't work that way, no matter what good deed I do. But Jesus, in verse 9, the last one. So we saw, let's read through him, the search, the searcher. We can look, but it's Christ who finds us. There's a struggle. There's stubble. All of our good deeds really don't, don't add up to much. But the real solution, and Jesus looks. Jesus looks at Zacchaeus, and he says, today, this day, 
Salvation is coming to this house. He's saying, I am salvation. Christ is saying, I am the answer. In the book of John, he would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. According to his mercy, he saved us. This day, for as much as he is also the son of Abraham, it says, you know what, you can, these people are saying he's a sinner. It didn't matter that he was, if he was a publican, it didn't matter if he was a sinner. It didn't matter if the fact that he was, of the, uh, uh, he was a child of Abraham. He was a Jew just as much as the rest of them. But that, none of that mattered. It was the fact that Jesus is the Savior. And then he says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The point of the matter is, we don't deserve heaven. We could do everything, everything in our power to earn our way there. But God is perfect. Nothing I could do to earn perfection. I can't do it. I can't be perfect. If you say you can, I'd like to, I'd like to sit down and, and I guess take notes on your life. I can't do it. Jesus came to this earth to be our Savior. He's the solution. He came despite our sins. He came despite our shortcomings. He came. He came and he was born in a manger. And I, watching that scene, I mean, I, wonder, I wish uh, I, I, just how, how easy it was for Mary up here. She just reached around, pulled the baby out, boom. Man, that was easy. Not quite like that. But how Jesus came. And he would live on this earth and he would teach us and he would teach mankind while he was here. But the ultimate goal was not to teach us. It was not to help us grow in that. The ultimate goal for him on the earth was to die on the cross for our sins. He was born so that he could one day die on the cross. So that you and I could know him personally. We think about that one simple verse that every child learns in Sunday school growing up. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that's you, that's me, every person in this room, every person on this earth, that whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord. That's a definitive promise. Excuse me, I, I, I said this wrong. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What happens when you don't write your Bible verses down in your notes? Uh, you mix them up. But God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins to give us that hope because we're hopeless without it. And I'm excited when I, when I talk about that. I'm, I, it makes me glad to see these kids up here so that they can realize that God sent his son to die on the cross for their sins. They can live in a world full of hope that they can grow up knowing that Christ loved them, that they can grow up with a purpose, with a goal, with a, with a zeal in their heart to know God, but it all came from a point where they realized that they're a sinner. They're not perfect. No matter what mommy says, they're not a perfect little angel. Trust me, my kids are, I look at them every single day, and I'm like, oh, they're so good, they're so wonderful, and then five minutes, I'm like, they are evil. <laughs> My kids, 
I look up, why, Lord? Why did you give me? Anyhow, um, I remember one time bought a brand new thing of hair gel. I think I talk, this happened one time right before I preached. I mean, I, I, I bought this new stuff. I, my sister Stephanie told me it was great. It was not cheap hair goop. And I got it home, and I was, I was like, okay, so I'm going to start wearing this stuff. And, and uh, all of a sudden, I couldn't find it. Where did it go? And uh, lo and behold, I had gone upstairs, and my, my, my children had uh, gotten a hold of this, and they had used it for glue in their projects, in their crafts that they were making. And so it was on these papers with stuff stuck to it. And there was, Daddy, I made this for you. I love you so much. Love you too, kids. <laughs> and then I walk into their room, and their room's an absolute mess, but the, 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 I, my foot kind of stuck to the floor, and I realized they had coated the whole floor in a nice layer of this. My, my brand new container is completely empty. There's just a little, little bit around the edges, and I'm going, I love you so much. But really, sometimes I feel like God's doing the same thing. He watches us. He gives us such great things. He gives us great opportunities. He provides us with so much. And we take the wonderful blessings that we have in life and we mess them up. We do something with it. And then we're saying, I love you. And he's going, yeah. Praise the Lord. He loves us no matter what we do. When he walks into our lives and it's a mess and his feet are sticking to the floor and he's going, well... I still love you, and I sent my son to die for you. There's nothing good we can do in this earth to earn salvation, but Christ sent Jesus Christ. God sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins. Even when, our, when we look at our lives and all the turmoil, all the struggle, all the sticky mess, when I do my best for God and I'm saying, I love you, and I'm holding up my little project, God's saying, well, that's not exactly the way I wanted you to do it. I love you. The number one message of Christmas, God loves you. So in this time, we're going to take a moment. We're just bow our heads, close our eyes. If you, how, how do you know Jesus? We stop and we say, if you were to die today, would you know for sure if heaven would be your home? If you don't know that, feel free to, you can raise your hand where you're at. You could come forward and Somebody can lead you through the Bible and show you how you can know Jesus Christ as your Savior.